We're live. Awesome. Okay, so hey, I just want to hand these out to you guys real quick. So just take one and pass it down. Um, this is so we don't have to spend as much time um, doing background uh, stuff on the book of Jude. Don't read it while I'm talking because that would mean you weren't paying attention, which would not be epic. Okay. Uh, and we have PowerPoint. So Andy, you just want to pull up that PowerPoint. All right. All right, so we are in Jude. Uh, but before we get to Jude, I just want to do a quick little recap um, of, of what's been going on the last four weeks. How many of you guys have absolutely loved hearing from uh, your other youth leaders, Andy, John, Caitlin, and Angelica? You guys have been enjoying that? Yeah, it's been epic stuff. What is something that, that kind of uh, stepped uh, and spoke out to you guys uh, I want to hear some examples uh, of some things that have kind of spoke to you as a result of those things. Our God should be a big God. Okay. We, our God should be a big God. We serve a big God. Okay. That was Angelica's. It was pretty awesome. Okay. Well, what were some other things? Tyler. The better you know God, the better you know yourself. Okay. The better you know God, the better you know yourself. I like it. I like it. Okay, by, obey, uh, by obeying your parents, you're obeying God. Honoring is, is, is something that's heavy, right? You guys remember that? Honoring, talking, uh, what John was talking about. What are some other things? Austin. Yeah, having patience with the Lord and His plan for you. From Caitlin, Olivia. Okay, God needs to be the number one priority, and you need to be in your word. One of the biggest things that, st- uh, that spoke out to me came from, from what Andy talked about, and, and he did something that I had never heard done before, talking about uh, the, the paralytic guy who got lowered down through the roof. You guys, you guys remember that story? Andy took a completely different perspective than I've ever heard on it, talking about witnessing to your friends and whose roof are you going to have to tear off to get them to Jesus. Pretty cool stuff. Do you guys remember that? Awesome. Okay, so what we're going to do now, um, I want us to open up our Bibles to Jude, okay? Book of Jude, it is a short one, it's 25 verses, one chapter, just over 600 words, okay? It's a a really short letter, but it packs a punch, okay? Can you guys all say pack a punch? One, two, three. Packs a punch. I like it, okay? For me, it's on page 1078. It's probably not the same for you guys, but that's all good. Okay, we're going to read Jude, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to do some Bible study in Jude. Does that sound good to you guys? Awesome. Who's excited about Jude? Yeah, here we go. All right. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains 
under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the, arch, uh, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he, uh, when he disputed over the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain and have run greedily in the error of Balaam, the prophet, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Okay, verse 12. These are spots in your love, uh, in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, so serving only themselves. They are clouds without water carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead and pulled up by their roots, raging waves of the sea, uh, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Verse 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles and our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But beloved, but you, beloved, uh, Sorry, I've got a note in my Bible. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. Verse 24. But to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to preserve you faultless before the presence of the glory uh, of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come to you tonight, God. God, and we just thank you for your word uh, and that you speak to us through your word, God. We just pray that tonight uh, as we look into what your, your word has to say, God, what it what it meant back then and what it means now, God. I just pray that we would be challenged and we would be inspired to live more for you, God. That we would be inspired to fall deeper in love with you and we would be inspired to learn more about who you are and what your word has to say. So God, we just thank you and we praise you. God, I just pray that any words that would be mine would fall on deaf ears, God, but that it would be your voice that would speak through, God, um, and you would just speak to every heart that is in this room. So, God, we just thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and everyone said amen. Awesome. All right, 25 verses, guys, but those 25 verses packed a punch, okay?
And I was trying to think over the last uh, few months how we were going to approach Jude. Because there's a lot of different ways to approach Jude, and a lot of pastors approach Jude different ways. Okay? You see there were eight different Old Testament stories that were mentioned in Jude. Okay? You guys probably picked up on a few of them, and we'll talk about some more that maybe you didn't pick up on. Okay? But uh, eight Old Testament stories. That being said, you could spend eight weeks talking about each one and what it means. Okay? Then there's the other perspective of taking it all in one week, which is kind of going to be what we're going to do, but it's going to be in one week over a few weeks. It's going to be kind of a hybrid, okay? I'll explain in just a minute. Because originally, when this letter was written from Jude to some churches, it was all read at one time. And it was all spoken at one time. So that was the way it was originally intended to be taught. Okay? Does that sound good? So, so we have some different ways of teaching it. And what I said when I said hybrid is we're going to look um, at Jude and its, and its warnings and kind of its themes and what it meant back then and what it means to us now. That's kind of what we're going to do tonight. Okay? We're only going to use a few verses from Jude. It's going to be kind of a more topical study. But then next week, we are going to hit Jude, verse 1 through 25, and we're going to bust it out, okay? So I really want you guys to bring your Bibles, your pens, your notepads, because we're going we're, we're gonna to fill up some pages of notes, okay? It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to learn a lot, and you guys are going to be able to uh, expand on it a lot. Okay, does that sound good? And then what we're going to do, we're probably going to spend another few weeks doing some topical studies on Jude, uh, because one of my favorite sections of verses found the entire Bible is here, and if you guys look, it's, it's Jude, uh, verses 24 and 25, and it's one of the, one of the most beautiful benedictions that we have uh, in Scripture, and, and, and so we'll spend a little bit of time talking about what that is. But tonight, I want us to focus on why Jude wrote this letter, and, and the things that were going on at this time. So, so if you're taking notes, the title for tonight is Jude, Warnings Then... Warnings now, okay? Warnings then, warnings now. I'm going to have Andy just flip over to the next slide. We're going to talk a little bit briefly about the historical background of Jude. Because for those of you who don't know, I'm a history major. I graduate in three months and I will officially be a historian. So I like history, okay? So just some, some, some background on Jude. Jude was the brother of James. Who's James? we got two James that we could talk about in the New Testament. Who do you guys think it is? Okay, so we heard disciple and, okay, or the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, what's that? No, no, no. So we got the disciple who was the brother of John, son of Zebedee, okay? This James is already killed, okay? He's already been martyred. This James that we're talking about, the James who, who wrote the book of James in the New Testament, is half-brother of Jesus and leader of the church in Jerusalem, Okay, so this is Jesus' half-brother. How is it his half-brother? Anyone know? Jesus was born of God. James, Jude, and his other brothers were born of Joseph. Okay, and we know, you guys will see this in your packet, we know from the New Testament that James, Jude, they didn't believe in Jesus until after Jesus was already uh, crucified and risen. Okay, and then they just got on fire for the Lord. So Jude is the brother of James, which also makes him the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, so Jude knows his stuff. Okay, this letter, um, the date 
and, and where it was written are, are really unknown. But I put a date up here because a lot of Bible scholars um, kind of have agreed that it has to have been written sometime in the 60s. And it had to have been written before 80 AD. Because there's some events that happened historically uh, that, that would have had to have made it be written before then. And it has a lot of commonalities with Second Peter. Do you guys remember when we were talking about Second Peter uh, a few months ago? Okay, so 2 Peter in, in 2 Peter chapter 2 talks a lot about false teachers, and Jude shares a lot of commonalities there. So they were probably written at the same time, and maybe even to the same people, okay? Same churches, and we'll, and we'll get there in just a little bit. So most scholars say it was written somewhere around 87 to 88 AD, okay? When was it written? 68. Did I say 80? Yeah, okay. 67 to 68, my bad. Okay, it was a trick question. I was going to say... Unknown, but no, it's all good. All right, who was who? Who was this? Uh, who was this letter written to? All believers. Yeah, all believers, all Christians. Okay, and we can see that right here in the first verse. Okay. Um, and why was it written? Why was it written? It's kind of easy because you guys can all see it up on the board, right? Okay. Yeah, it was written to inspire and to warn people about false teachers. Was that its original intention? What was Jude originally going to write about? You guys know? All right, let me pick up right here. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning your common salvation. Okay, Jude was going to write them about, hey, I'm stoked you guys are saved. He was going to write them commending them on their faith and all this stuff. But something happened that, that made Jude change this up. Now it's, it's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit because all scripture is God breathed and it is inspired by God. So something happened and God says, alright Jude, here we go. This is what we gotta do. And we gotta warn some people about some stuff that happened. But before we get to those warnings, we're gonna talk about the region in which this letter was written to. Okay, how many of you guys like maps? Raise your hand if you like maps. Okay, not a whole lot of us. Awesome. I got a map for you guys because I like maps. Thank you God. Alright, we got a map here. Who can tell me what that is in modern day? Turkey, yeah, good stuff. Okay, and it, it, it is Asia Minor. Yes. Okay, awesome. So we got some places that should look familiar to you guys. Ephesus, Paul wrote a letter called Ephesians. Coloss, Colossians, okay. Okay, we got Antioch, which is a very famous city. Another Antioch, which is another famous city. Damascus, how I many you guys know what happened on the road to Damascus? A guy by the name of Saul got converted, became Paul. Okay. Bithynia, and Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Asia. These are all regions in which Peter wrote first and second Peter too. And it is assumed that Jude probably wrote to these same regions. So Asia Minor, the churches of Asia Minor. Okay? So that's just that region. Map's done. All right. So why was the letter written? Verse 4, which is going to be our main focus for tonight. Okay? Verse 4 tells us, why Jude has written this letter, okay? And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to talk about it just a little bit. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, okay? Unnoticed men creeping in. You guys remember when we were talking in Second Peter about wolves in sheep's clothing? Okay, just want you guys to remember that. Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny only the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so there are some dudes who have crept in. They're in the church. 
They're preaching, teaching in the church. But they are not of God. They're not teaching the things of God. But instead, they have twisted the things of God into lewdness and these other just horrible things. Okay? There's a name that we have for these people. And it's not up on that screen. So, what do you guys think it is? Did you say Antichrist? Okay, Antichrist is good. Who used that terminology um, in a letter that we just recently have looked at? John, 1 John, okay? We'll, we'll actually flip over just one or two pages to 1 John 2.19. And this is going to talk a little bit of, as well. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Okay. So they were originally in this church, and they went out from this church. But they were never a part of the church, okay? Because they had false doctrines, false teachings, okay? And we're going to spend a little bit of time um, just talking about that in just a few minutes, okay? Second Peter also, um, as we referenced, talks about this as well. Turn to Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And we're actually just going to stop there with, with that verse 1. They are bringing in heresies. Okay, That's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, is heresies and heretics and what that means. And these are people who deny God and, and the fullness of God. They deny Jesus. They deny doctrine of Christianity, they deny the Trinity, they deny all this stuff that we know as truth and as doctrine, they deny it, okay? And they put their own twist on some things. And, and at this time, when Jude is writing this, and when John wrote his letter, um, just about 20 years later, and when Peter was writing his letter, even when Paul was writing letters, there were a group of people that were starting to form called the Gnostics. How many of you guys have ever heard of Gnostics or Gnosticism before? Okay? Hey, you guys have heard about it. What do you guys know? I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys know about Gnostics or Gnosticism? Okay, we've talked about it before. Let me just give you some... Oh, Josh, raise your hand. They denied Jesus Okay, yeah, they denied Jesus was God. Okay? And we're going to talk just a little bit more about that on the next slide. We're not going to go there yet. Gnostics or Gnosticism comes from the Greek word nosos. You guys know what nosos means? Nosos is knowledge. Okay? And these people started worshiping knowledge and, and the enlightenment of knowledge. Okay? Andy, next slide, please. So, who were the Gnostics? Okay? These were these heretics, these early um, Christian or Christian heretics that were uh, bringing down the early church that these writers were writing to warn about. Okay? Um, one of the original Gnostics, one of the original heretics, what you can hear about in Acts. Um, is a guy by the name of Simon Magnus, okay? And we're not going to talk about him at all, but there were, uh, we have some other stories about some stuff that happened between him and Peter and him and Paul, and, and, and he was bringing about some heresies, okay? Later on, after Scripture's written, there's more people, okay? Guys by the name of like Marcion or Manny or, or, or Valinatius, okay? These guys who were not good dudes, and they brought a lot of destruction, and it is the reason why Jude was writing. He said, beware of these false teachers. Okay? So just it's going to be just enough on like the Gnostics and the heretics back then. But the warning then was beware. 
was beware and know your scripture. Be able to back things against scripture. Okay? And we'll talk next week when we go into an in-depth study on Jude about what it means. Because all throughout these 25 verses, Jude is talking about what is happening and who these people are. He describes them so you can see them. So when you're walking in, you're a sheep. And you happen to see another sheep over there who's got a long snout and some big fangs. You'll know, eh, that ain't no sheep. That's a wolf. Okay? We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Andy, can you go to the next slide? What does that say? Yeah. What does it mean to us today? Are there still Gnostics around? Are there still people who, who deny Christ? Are there still people who say uh, that, that Jesus was just a good guy, but he wasn't God? These things. Okay, I'm actually going to just tell you one or two more things about the Gnostics. And I'm going to tell you, does this sound familiar? Okay? Some of the things that Gnostics believed was they believed that, that God was 100% perfect. Sound good? Yeah, it's good. God is 100% perfect. They believe that matter and everything down here is 100% evil. Sound good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay? But what they say is Jesus was a man. Okay? And a Christian says that Jesus was also man and God. But a Gnostic says that God could not come down and be part of something 100% evil if he's 100% good. So Jesus could not have been God. Okay? Now, it sounds logical, but it's not doctrinal, and it's not truth. Okay? Have you guys ever had, had someone kind of tell you, oh, well, Jesus wasn't God. He was just a good guy. Okay? Have you guys heard of other religions or groups today that talk about Jesus was just a good guy? Okay? Gnostics also said that there was no such thing as the Trinity. They're what we uh, would call in the, in the more uh, scholarly side of Christendom, uh, um, they are non-Trinitarians. Okay? Simply put, they don't believe in the Trinity. Okay? Does that sound good? Okay? And Gnostics had some other stuff. So what does that mean to us today? Well, do you think there could be some modern-day heresies? You guys think there could be some modern-day heresies out there? What do you guys think some modern-day heresies could be? Let's say some religions that say they're Christian. Okay, Mormons. Andy, how about you just hit that next slide? Okay, we got some people called Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, the Christian Science Church. How about universalism? Have you guys ever heard of universalism? All roads lead to heaven, coexist. Um, The Unification Church. And there's a lot more that we could talk about. And tonight, this is just going to be kind of a brief overview. We've actually already done a lot of talking, okay? And we've got to kind of start wrapping some things up. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about each one of these, why they're wrong, why they're heresies, and then we're going to close. Does that sound good? Awesome. Okay. So what are some things that Mormons teach? Okay? Mormons teach, and, and I'm just going to tell you all this information that I got right here on each one of these comes from one of the greatest websites that any of you guys can go to if you ever have a question about... Oh, I'm blocking this. Okay. One of the greatest websites that you guys can go to to get information about apologetics, about Christian resources, uh, um, and just about some stuff. And it is a website called CARM. Okay? Which is Christian Apologetics Resources and Ministries. Okay? Research Ministries. Yes. And and it it is so epic. The person who told me about this is Andy Pyle. 
and he told me about this like four years ago. Yeah, you know, for Andy, he's a good guy. No, no. Andy told me about this like four years ago when we were doing a, a research project for one of our History of Christianity classes. We had a teacher who, who was saying some whack stuff. So, so Andy's like, oh, let's go show them what's wrong and what's right. And it was, it was, re- it was really cool. They got some sweet stuff. So I'm just going to tell you what I learned from that and what I also learned from a book by a guy by the name of Ravi Zacharias. If you guys remember a few years ago, uh, our youth did a Sunday school uh, talking about the kingdom of the cults and a bunch of different cults, okay? But, so Mormonism teaches that God the Father has a body of flesh and bones, okay? God the Father is just like us. He's not really some supreme, perfect being. And rather that Jesus was his creation. Mormons believe that, that God um, was once a man on a different, distant planet, and that he followed all the rules of the God of that planet. And in doing so, he became a God. And now he rules our planet. And he has a, um, a spiritual wife. And from them, all of us come. Okay? Does this sound like it lines up anywhere with Scripture? No, 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 no. It, it doesn't line up with Scripture anywhere. But Mormons are okay to say this because they say that the Bible is only true when it is fully translated correctly, and if something they say doesn't line up with the Bible, they say, well, that part of the Bible wasn't translated right. Pretty convenient, right? No, okay, it's all false. Okay, and we could spend several days, we're going to spend some days during the summer in seminary talking about this, but how it is wrong and how you can pick apart all the different things where they're wrong through Scripture, okay? Knowing the Word of God. Okay? Another one, the Jehovah's Witness. Well, what do the Jehovah's Witness believe? They, they consider themselves to be Christians because they believe that they are serving the one true living God. Okay? But they deny the Trinity. They deny the deity of Christ. And they deny that the Holy Spirit exists. Okay? They deny Jesus' physical resurrection. And they deny that you can have salvation through grace alone. Yes? They believe a lot of this crazy stuff, yeah. They believe that, that it happens by the books and by their books, okay? And, and, and when we're talking about their books, they meet weekly for these Bible studies where really they just study um, literature that is the watchtower literature, and it's, and it's just a bunch of stuff. They're encouraged not to look back at their history and about their previous doctrines and theologies because they contradict everything nowadays because they, they realize that some of the stuff they said back then doesn't apply today and and they just say hey guess what there's no trinity jesus was not real does that kind of sound familiar does that sound like the same lie that was being said almost two thousand years ago okay let's talk a little bit more how about christian science how many of you guys heard of the christian science church now it's different than scientology um but the christian science church is is a is a religion um that if you didn't see the word christian in the title you would have no clue what's even related to the Bible, okay? Here's some things that the Christian uh, science church believes. Um, They not only deny the essential doctrines of Christianity, but they have completely reinterpreted the Bible. It drastically defines the Bible's culture, uh, uh, drastically redefines the Bible's culture and terminology and rips thousands of scriptures out of their historical and biblical contexts. Okay? They also have taken uh, the Bible and they have this book that goes along with it called Science and Health with Keys to Scriptures. 
Okay? And it is a rewriting of the Bible and how it fits into their science and all this crazy mind stuff. Um, and it is a mix of, of pseudological and, and philosophical um, ideas. It is modern day Gnosticism. Okay? All about knowledge and philosophy and how you can gain enlightenment through these things. These are also people who do not believe in technology and science that can help them. They believe that, um, that through their Christian science doctrine, they can be healed of any sort of infirmities. Okay? So they believe some, some pretty whacked out theologies. And, we, and we'll talk some more about them in our seminary class. But a modern day heresy, modern day thing that we should be warned about. Okay, let's look at Christian universalism. Okay? Universalism. All roads lead uh, to heaven. This is a position that all mankind will ultimately be saved through Jesus, whether or not faith is professed of him in this life or after we die. Okay? So they believe there's no such thing as hell. They believe that a loving God could not create hell or allow people to go there. They believe that every person has a chance in this life and in the next. Okay? Everyone will eventually be in heaven. That's what they believe. Okay? Completely negating Scripture. Okay? And now one thing that we can notice about all the ones we've talked about, they do have some stuff that sounds pretty good. They do have some stuff that that sounds like it's scriptural. But when they only take one verse and build a whole religion around that and negate everything else in Scripture, it's false. Okay? Um, My grandma, who who is is an awesome lady of the Lord, uh, she put it this way. She said, um, the devil will give you a lake of truth and put in a, uh, a pint of poison, but it will poison the entire water source. Okay, imagine Crater Lake, huge, deep lake, giant lake, beautiful lake. If you were to take a cup of the world's most nasty poison, throw some radioactive goodies in there too, pour it in the water, you give it a day, the water is undrinkable. Fish are going to start floating up. It's going to be fizzing. It's going to be bad, okay? You can have some stuff that sounds good that's going to snatch some people, that's going to make some people believe, okay? All these people started out in the church, but we're not of the church. They crept in, but they defile the word of God and they bring lewdness, okay? Um, we're going to skip over the last one and we're going to go to the last slide. Um, but like I said, if you want to learn more about those things, there's some really good books. There's that, that, that online resource right there. Or you can just sit down and talk with me or, 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 or your other leaders and we can talk about those things more. But the last slide, and we're going to nail it home after this, is what can we learn from this? What can we learn from Jude and his warning to beware of false teachers that have crept in? What can we learn about those who are wolves in sheep's clothing? And I think there are three things that we can really pull out of this tonight, okay? And these three things come with three verses, and ironically, none of them are from Jude. I know it's more topical, okay? I'm sorry. Um, But the first thing is know your scripture, Know your scripture. How do you think you know your scripture? Uh, a, a, a professor once told me as I was studying for a final, he said, when I was in college, okay, first off, my professor had the most white hair of the hair that was left on his head. So I'm like, okay, so back in 1925, when you were still in college, how did you do it? 
Okay, and he told me, he said, this is what I used to do. It worked all the time. Get your biology book and put it under your pillow when you go to sleep. Don't study it all. Just put it under your pillow and go to sleep. And through osmosis, you will learn all the knowledge you need to and you'll get an A on your test. So all the smart students in my class were like, awesome, that's what we're doing. So they did it. Everyone failed the test. Come back the next day, he's like, okay, I failed my test too. Okay, osmosis doesn't work. You can't just sit on your Bible and pretend that you're going to gain every bit of knowledge. How many of you guys have seen the movie The Matrix? Okay. It's an all right movie. It's got some cool connotations you can pull out of it, but, but we're not going to talk about that right now. How many of you guys remember the scene where Neo... He's, he's trying to learn how to fight and do all this like kung fu and judo stuff and he can't get it but then Morpheus says alright download it all to him and he just and then he's like the best fighter known to man you guys remember that scene? okay that's not how this works you can't just like alright I've memorized the first ten chapters of Genesis right now I'm, yeah I got the New Testament no it doesn't work like that what do you gotta do? you gotta open it up and read it Okay. I've heard some, some really cool quotes um, about, about the Bible, and they're, and they're kind of cliche, but they're, I think they're good. Um, one Pastor Dave said last week was a dusty Bible leads to a dirty life. Okay, Read your Bible. Another one that I really like, and it's, it, it's a Bible that's falling apart probably represents a life that's staying together. Get in your word. Know your scripture. That's point one. What's the verse that's under there about knowing your scripture? Psalms 119.11. And I bet you a good majority of you guys have this verse memorized. Okay? Psalms 119.11 says this. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does that mean? How, how does it get in there? You have, to, you have to put it in. You are what you eat. Okay? To be cliche. Or, or in algebra, you learn about the function machine, and you put functions in, and out come answers, right? You guys remember those things? You, or if you haven't learned about them, you will learn about them, okay? But what goes in is going to come out. If you put the Word of God in your heart, it is going to come out. When a time uh, or an opportunity of sin arises, if you put the word in, the word's going to come out. You will overcome sin. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But when you hear false teaching, when you hear false doctrine, when you hear lies, when you hear your friends say something that you know is not right because it doesn't line up with Scripture, if you are in Scripture, you'll know it's false. And you'll be able to stand up against it. You'll be able to say, hey, that doesn't line up with Scripture. And you will be able to use this as a tool, as a weapon. Isn't that kind of cliche that it's a weapon? No, because that's what it is. Paul tells us, hey, this is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You've probably heard it said many times in church, have you ever seen a soldier show up to battle without his weapon? I just saw the movie Act of Valor. If those guys didn't have guns, it wouldn't have lasted long. It would have been like a two-minute movie. Okay? Show up with your weapons. Know the scriptures. Know your scripture. Point one. Boom. Done. Okay. Point number two. Abide in the word. Okay. This is going to start sounding really repetitive because it's a point that needs to get across. Because we need to be in our word. What does it mean to abide? 
What do you think it means to abide? Rest in. Rest in. Ooh, I like that. If someone said, hey, I want you to come abide at my house, that'd be epic, especially if they had a really nice couch. Okay? But no, abide. Be in. Know it. Get into it. Rest in it. Find comfort in it. How's that? Find some comfort in it, okay? Abide in the Word. What are some benefits that can result from abiding in the Word? What are some benefits? Okay, knowledge. Absolutely. What's another one? Yeah, you're going to be thinking about it when situations come. Wisdom. You can gain wisdom, godly wisdom, which far outweighs worldly wisdom. A verse that a lot of, uh, I know the guys, and I think some of the girls know, but the guys, we memorized this verse on probably day two of Youth Mystery Adventure Trip last summer. Okay? It's found in 1 John, so everyone's heard it um, back in September. But it says this. It's 1 John chapter 2 verse 14, it's the second half of verse 14 it says this, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one you've overcome the wicked one, how? I'm pretty sure we've talked about this verse like a bunch of times in, 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 in youth group um, and it's because it's so, it's so apropos to the time, you need to be in your word of God you need to be in the scriptures Okay? Abide in Christ and he will abide in you. Okay? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Guys, abiding in here, spending time with Jesus. It's not going to be you that overcomes. It's going to be Jesus through you giving you the power. Okay? That's some powerful stuff. Also, wicked ones who come into the church start teaching bad things that aren't lining up with the scriptures, hey, you'll be able to point out, that's wrong. That ain't right. Okay, awesome. Last point and then we're done. Be ready to give a defense and answer for the hope that you have. Okay? If you don't know any of this, you'll never be ready to give an answer or a defense for it. But Peter tells us, hey, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. What's the hope that we have? eternity with Jesus Christ. If you believe that you will spend an eternal life with Jesus Christ because you've put your faith in Him and that you are saved by His grace, there's a lot of other stuff that you're going to believe in Scripture, right? Okay. You'll be able to give a defense, have an answer when those people come against you. When these lewd um, people who come and they try and defile the Word of God and they speak false doctrine. Okay? Does that sound good? So three things. It was a warning back then. It's just as much as a warning now. Because it's happening today. And we didn't even talk about, we talked about some cults and some other religions. There's people in the church today. There's people in the church who are teaching a doctrine that is different than what is in here. A false teaching. Okay? We didn't even talk about that today. We will over time, okay? But be ready. Three ways that we can know. Knowing your scripture, abiding in the word, and being ready to give a defense. Okay? Does that sound good? 
Awesome. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Um, God, just, just for your Holy Spirit, God, uh, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, God, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit that was uh, moving 2,000 years ago, God, is still moving in our presence today. And God, I just thank you for, for the inspiration that you have given to um, the writers of, of both the Old and the New Testament, God, that this word is full of truth because it comes from you. And God, it is able to be used by us today. God, I just pray that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. God, that we would overcome the wicked one because we are strong and the word of God abides in us. God, and that when times arise, uh, God, that we'll be able to give a defense, an answer for the hope that we have in you. God, I just thank you so much for that hope. The expectancy of great things to come. God, we get to spend an eternity with you. I can't even fathom, I can't even comprehend that. But God, I just thank you for that. And I thank you for your grace. God, I just thank you for for your word and what you have spoken to us tonight. God, I just pray um, that you would be with us as we have our time of worship. God, just be with us this week as we we go. We do finals and then we have spring break. So God, I just thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, give it up for Danny uh, and John. It's going to be time for worship.